Just a few weeks ago now, we celebrated for the very first time with our second graders, for their first time, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We took a different approach to the, its celebration this year in a few different ways. The first was that we did a joint celebration between Lincoln and Rosaire and Brussels, and we hosted the night in Rosaire. It was quite practical because I couldn't find enough priests to hear confessions on two nights, and so we had to do it on just one night. But secondly, a greater emphasis was placed on celebrating the sacrament as a family that the family, the parents, would come with the child, that their siblings might come too, and that it would be a family affair, that the student would first make their reconciliation, and then the family would also, that they would also go to the sacrament. It was a new emphasis that I wanted to place because that's precisely what families should do. They should pray together, and celebrate the sacraments together. As it comes to the sacrament of reconciliation, I think it is a good thing for children to see their parents go to the sacrament right alongside them. I know there's a family in one of the parishes that I served in that they would bring all of their children, even if they were younger than second grade, and they would simply sit in church, and they wanted the children to know that this was a sacrament that their family celebrates, and that soon, once they reached the age, they too would celebrate the sacrament. Of course, today it's Sunday morning, and we're gathered here in this church, and we celebrate the Eucharist together as a family. Many of you have your husband or wives next to you, your children, maybe your grandchildren, your parents are sitting by you or they're here. And so Sunday Mass has become a celebration in which you do so with your family. When it comes to the anointing of the sick, it's always my hope to celebrate the sacrament with the family, especially if the individual is in the nursing home, in the hospital, in their home so that the family might gather around the person they love and to pray with them and to pray for them as they receive that sacrament. Families celebrate the sacraments together, but they also pray together, and they pray in many and varied ways. As a family, I would encourage everyone to pray for their family, to pray for whoever it is in their family, for whatever intention that you think whatever blessing that they need from God. To pray for vocations. We hear this in our first reading today, that Hannah takes her son Samuel and dedicates him to the Lord. And so maybe to ask, well, in my own family, have I prayed that my children or my grandchildren might serve God in the church? Maybe as a priest, as a deacon, as a consecrated religious. Have I prayed in that way for my family? Or maybe there's the need to pray for healing. Of course, with sickness, it's always something that we pray for, for those of our loved ones who are sick. Or maybe it's to pray for reconciliation, that there's some sort of rift that has happened, a divide in a family. And so they pray that one day they might be able to forgive each other and be reconciled with one another. Not only do we pray for our family members, though, we also 
pray with our families. We pray, especially, I think, probably the most prominent way families pray together is around the dinner table, in which they pray, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. And that's great. Keep praying in that way. But I think that we need to pray a bit more than just at the dinner table to allow our own prayer as a family to mature. Maybe it's to pray before bed in the evening with family, with everyone, children or grandchildren, and to thank God for whatever blessing that we've had, to pray for someone who is in need. It might be to pray with the sacred scriptures, to open up the gospels, to read a passage of the scriptures, and maybe to discuss it as a family, to ask the question, well, what stood out to you in this passage? What word, what phrase, what action? And then to discuss it. Perhaps praying with the scriptures might open up the family to discuss things that they might not have otherwise done so. There's also the devotions of the church, to pray together maybe the rosary every now and again, to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, to pray a novena. There's another way in which families can pray, and we see the Holy Family in our Gospel today praying in this way. They go to Jerusalem, as a good Jewish person would go, and they go to offer their own sacrifices for the Feast of Passover. What the Holy Family did was they went on pilgrimage from their home in Nazareth to Jerusalem, and maybe that's a way to pray together as a family. There are many different places of pilgrimage that a person could go. They could join me on a pilgrimage of prayer to the Holy Land in October of 2019 to pray at those sites where Jesus was born, where he died, where he rose from the dead, where he performed many of his miracles. But of course, there's a lot more local places that families can go on pilgrimage without such great cost. We're very blessed just a few miles from here to have the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help to pray there as a family for whatever needs we might have, to maybe go to La Crosse, to the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, to go to Holy Hill, to the National Shrine of Our Lady, Help of Christians. There are many different shrines, not only here in Wisconsin, but throughout the Midwest and the country that we can go and pray at together as a family. As the new year of 2019 draws closer, minute by minute, maybe it's the year to resolve not only to pray for your family, but to pray with them in the new year that lies ahead of us because that's what families do. They pray together. In the words of a very popular priest of the 20th century, Father Patrick Payton, the families that pray together stay together.